Now, if I'm honest, if we're honest, I think that we can all say that life can be difficult. And sometimes it's just a season. But sometimes it's hard to see when it hasn't been difficult. Yet somehow we know that we are called to have joy through it all. But my honest response to that, my honest emotional response at least to that, is how is that even possible? But we saw last time that the answer to that question is hope. We saw that hope enables us to enjoy the good that God has for us, even while we are surrounded by the bad that sin has caused. But in the darkest hours, what hope do we have? What can we have hope in when our trials and afflictions have overcome us to the point that it feels like there's very little good left on the table? That's what we're going to explore together today. Now, the first thing that I think can serve as a foundation for our hope is a promise that we're given, but I doubt that it's the promise that you're thinking of. The promise that I'm referring to is the promise that we will experience tribulations, persecutions, and hardships. Consider this example where Jesus is, uh, quote unquote, encouraging the disciples. In this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's John 16, 33. And Jesus actually does this over and over with the disciples, where he warns us about the realities of Christianity. That while there is good for us in following him, that good comes with a cost. It's like this passage in Mark chapter 10. It starts in verse 29, where Jesus is telling us that we'll be asked to give up a lot. But he does reassure us that we'll gain more than we, even lo- than we lose even in this life. But if, if that wasn't hard enough, he goes on to warn that in addition to the fact that we're going to be asked to give up a lot, that even what we gain in this life will come with persecutions. Um, thanks, Jesus? That's really how it feels. See, why did Jesus tell us all of this? Was he just trying to weed out the class to see who was serious and then tell everybody uh, the truth that it's actually not going to be so bad? I mean, maybe there was some element of that, but the honest truth is that this verse from John 16 was really just the core 12 disciples. So we know that there's more to it. In fact, in John 16, he tells us why he's telling these things. Jesus says, I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. I think that's the honest truth, is that we need to be grounded in reality to make sure that we don't fall away. See, he said these things because they were true. He said these things because he didn't want us to be surprised by them. So how does this promise for trouble help us have hope? Because that really doesn't make sense, right? It's because whenever we experience hardship, that experience doesn't undermine the promise of hope that we've been given. You see, our hardship that we experience does not invalidate the promise of salvation. In fact, what this verse shows us is that it reinforces it. Because the promise of salvation included a promise of tribulation. To be honest though, if the promise stopped there, I'm really not sure if it would all be worth it. Would I rather have just one house and family, or would I rather be forced to give that one up so that I could have a hundred more with persecution? To be honest, I'm not so sure I'd take that trade. Luckily, Jesus didn't stop there. In addition to his promise that we would be given a hundredfold more in this life with persecution, Jesus adds two words at the end of the verse that completely overwhelm the balance of his proposal. He said, in the age to come, you will have eternal 
life. You see, Jesus' honesty about the troubles that we'll face tell us something that I think is actually pretty shocking. What he's telling us is that without the promise of heaven, the reality is this, that Christianity may not be worth it. Okay, does, does that sound wrong to you? Because it sounds a little wrong to me, but it's the truth. And I understand if you're not convinced, but consider this. Consider what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is correcting those in the church who don't believe in the resurrection, who don't believe in the promise of heaven and the promise of eternal life. In 1 Corinthians 15, 19, he says this to them. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Here's what he's saying. Without the promise of heaven, Christianity is a raw deal. To remain constant in the true Christian lifestyle is literally impossible without a present hope in eternal life. In other words, a real felt hope in heaven is absolutely essential. We cannot truly do what Christianity asks us to do. We cannot truly take up our cross daily without the hope in heaven. You see, without hope in heaven, we're left with a focus on enjoying this life. And maybe we can be good for a little while without thinking about heaven, but inevitably we're drawn back to a focus on what this life has to offer. And the problem with that focus is that it inevitably leads to a lifestyle that is held captive to sin. The author of Hebrews explained it. He explained it this way whenever he told us what Jesus accomplished through his death and resurrection in Hebrews 2.14. It says, through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who, through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. But whenever we read that, I think it leaves us with a question. Does the fear of death really influence me that completely though? Let me give an obvious example to maybe make that point a little bit more clear. Ashley Madison's tagline, life is short, have an affair. And honestly, we use these phrases pretty commonly. You only live once, or life's too short to fill in the blank. Those phrases are often used to justify decisions that run contrary to what we're called to do, to justify decisions that run contrary to the Christian imperative that Christ gave us in Matthew 16, 24, to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. In our passage from 1 Corinthians 15, Paul actually used a similar phrase that was from the Hebrew culture. You see, maybe we think you know these phrases like YOLO um, are, are unique to our culture, and yeah, they're our own adaptation of it, but the reality is that these, th these thoughts have been prevalent since the beginning of human history. Like I said, in Hebrew culture, Paul explains it to us this way. He explains the way that this type of thinking affects us. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 32, so just a little after the verse we were reading before. He says, if the dead are not raised, in other words, if we don't have a hope in heaven, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And saying this, Paul is actually implicating that lifestyle though. What he's telling us is the lifestyle that will follow when we don't keep our eyes focused on the hope of heaven. Paul goes on to correct this though. He says that whenever we fall into this wake of, way of thinking, he wants us to stop and listen to him. Just two verses later, he's speaking to you and he's speaking to me. He says, wake up from your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning. But what does all of this tells us, tell us? It tells us that true Christianity actually makes this life 
hard. And I'm sorry if you were told something different whenever you signed up, but that's the reality. But here's what that means and here's how that can encourage us. If you're feeling the weight of hardship on account of your faith, that means that you can be encouraged. To be frank, it means that you're doing it right. But if you're becoming weary in doing good, like Galatians 6, 9 says, this also tells us that there's an answer to that struggle. And the answer to that struggle is to find hope in heaven. But there's a whole other group. And to be honest, I think it's probably most of us who need to hear this a little bit differently. It's the way that I feel like I need to hear it today. The other, on the other hand, what, what we can see here is that whenever we find it easy to be a Christian without a constant and anchoring awareness of our hope that we have in heaven, we've probably gotten just a bit too comfortable. That if we don't need a hope in heaven to endure the tribulations that were promised as Christians, then are we really taking up our cross? You see, the hope in heaven is nothing short of absolutely essential to being able to consistently walk out the realities of what we are called to do as Christians. But that's a sobering thought because I don't always think about heaven. I don't have to reassure myself about the hope of heaven. I don't have to take time always and set it aside to, to build my hope in heaven. But the reality of what these verses are demonstrating for us is that if we don't need that, we may not be doing the Christian life right. We may not be taking up our cross daily like we're called to do. But if hope in heaven is so necessary, then how do we actually find it? it? Just being completely honest, how do we develop a real and a tangible hope in heaven that actually literally gets us excited about it? Something that actually brings us joy so that we can have that joy, even in our trials and afflictions like we talked about at the start. To put it simply, we can't get excited about something unless we know what to get excited about. So what is heaven really going to be like? Let's ask the question that I think is probably in the back of all of our minds, at least at one point in our life, we've asked that question of if eternity really does last forever, will it ever maybe just get a little tiny bit boring? I mean, I feel like those are the questions that we're not allowed to ask, but those are the questions that we need to ask. Because if we have that question in the back of our minds, then we don't, or then we're not able to develop that hope in heaven that we need to endure the tribulations that true Christianity calls us to endure. I think you're going to love the verses that I found that answer that question for us. Next time, we're going to get excited about the promise of heaven and the hope that we have in heaven. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast here. You can also subscribe to our email on our website or follow us on Instagram or our social media so that you can get this content delivered to you. Be sure to do that so that you don't miss out. I appreciate you joining us today, and I hope that this was helpful to you.